we doing this morning, church? We're good? Good to be in the house of God? It is, it is. And uh, as Joel pointed out before, um, it is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. And so it is my uh, absolute honor to bring the Word of God on Pentecost Sunday. And um, as it always is. And uh, sometimes, sometimes uh, by accident by an overlook, uh, we can get our expectations wrong about a place. We really can. And um, recently, I had the absolute gift. This isn't like when I say this, it's not like my normal life. I had the absolute gift to be in Italy for, for um, a family holiday. Mind-blowing. Um, but talk about getting your expectations wrong. We'd been in Italy for about a week. And Joel pipes up, astoundedly he pipes up and he just goes, you know what? You know what I thought we'd have heaps of but haven't had? Nachos. (laughs) Joel, he thought we were in Mexico. He figured out we're a totally different continent. So um, today I want you to have your expectations right. Because we are not in church today to be entertained. It's great to enjoy church and uh, enjoy His presence and fellowship together. But the sole purpose here is that we would be transformed to be more like Jesus. And sometimes as a preacher, people will come up afterwards and go, I really enjoyed your sermon. And you kind of, your heart kind of breaks. You're like, you enjoyed it. It took my blood, sweat and tears and you meant to be more transformed like Jesus. So today it's not entertainment. It's not entertainment. And that's up to you. You could sit back and hear the story of Pentecost and that'd be awesome. And you could enjoy it. Or you can take this moment and lean in. And you can say, these next few moments are not dedicated to my phone. They're not dedicated to the friends sitting next to me, the people I have with me, anything like that. You can just say between you and God, all right, God, for the next few moments, it's you and me. It's not even what I'm saying. It's what is he saying to your spirit? Because he does that. He takes a message and he splits it a hundred different ways right to speak to your heart. And so if you are, um, if that's you this morning, even if you're skeptical, would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the message. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, our prayer and our deep desire is that every one of us, people who are questioning Jesus and people who love Jesus would walk out these doors a little more transformed to be like Jesus. Because that is the only thing that we desire, Lord. You are the only one who fulfills. You're the only one who saves. And it is our honour today that you would come and meet with us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. If you're looking for a uh, title this morning, if you're taking notes, uh, it is, it is, oh, it's already up there, kind of spoiler. Faith, the Holy Spirit and walking it out. Faith, the Holy Spirit and walking it out. And on Pentecost Sunday, um, I would, I would miss an opportunity if we didn't go straight to Acts 1. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Acts 1 and we are going to see Uh, how the uh, day of Pentecost was fulfilled. It says, after his death, meaning Jesus, he presented himself alive to them in many different settings over a period of 40 days. 
In face-to-face meetings, he talked with them about things concerning the kingdom of God. And as they met and ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem. But they must wait for what the Father had promised. The promise you heard from me, John baptized in water and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and soon. When they were together for the last time, uh, they said, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom now? Kind of been waiting for it. Is this the time? And he told them, well, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Faith. Faith is what Jesus was requiring from them. As he, he reminded them, you have to wait for what the Father promised. I love that they are so interested in like, well, he's the Messiah. He's the one they've been waiting for for hundreds of years. He's the one who's been prophesied. And, and they sense that, well, this is it. This is kind of the, the last time. Hey, is it now? Are you going to do the job now? Or what are we waiting for? And I love that he responds, you don't get to know the time. Almost like it's none of your business. You don't get to know the time. You get the Holy Spirit. They were given the instruction and not the details because faith was what he was asking for. No great Bible story ever started with, well, they had it all worked out. All of the provisions were there. Details were covered. Everybody knew their job description. All that was left was God to sign off on the risk assessment. No great Bible story ever started with that. They were always risk-filled. They were crazy. They were like, what are you thinking? There's too many gaps. It can't happen. They, they, all of the great stories we remember are because there were great faith in them. It required great faith. For example, take throwing stones at giants. Great faith. Or building an enormous ark in a drought to save the world. Fighting a whole army when you have only 300 men and pots of clay and light. Uh, Getting a teenage virgin pregnant and trying to convince her fiancé, really, there's not another guy. There's not another guy, I promise. Or be dead for three days and raise yourself out of the grave. Great faith is what we remember. It's not the great plans, it's great faith. And so here we see a group of disciples, maybe devastated, maybe heartbroken, maybe anticipating, maybe nervous, thinking, well, there he went. He, he's gone. The great leader, the great teacher, uh, the, the one who was meant to save the world, he's gone. And it goes on in Acts 1, 9 to 11, it says, and these were his last words. As they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud and they stood there staring into an empty sky. They stood there staring in an empty sky, waiting. The teacher and Lord and friend had gone and the only instruction they said was go to Jerusalem and wait. No details were given, no no plan was laid out, just go and wait. And sometimes in life it can feel like all we are doing is waiting. Just waiting for God to show up. Like we're staring blankly into the sky thinking, are you coming back? Like, 
Is that it? And almost as if we're looking at the remnants of what God had done before. He's worked here before. So I'll just stand here and look and wait and hope that He turns up again. Or because we had some great encounter with Jesus at some stage in our life, we just set up camp there and we just said, well, it was great here for a moment. But God, Jesus didn't meet with them there to set up a dwelling place. He set up a place of direction, not a place to stay, but a place to go. And possibly you might be in life standing and staring into a blank sky thinking, "Ah, is he going to show up? When really he's waiting for you to act on the directive he gave you when he met you, to go to the place not where he had been, but where he was going, to not stand there and watch and think, what did he do? But go to where he is doing something new. I wonder today if you're standing thinking about the good old days of God, when revival was on the brink, oh, the good old days, when God was really moving and maybe He's waiting on you to move. If you feel like God has stopped speaking, perhaps He is waiting for you to be obedient to the last word He gave you. Because it doesn't mean He stopped speaking, He's just saying the same thing. Just saying the same thing, but we want something new because it's, lifts us for a moment and inspires us, gives us the tears, the tingles, but he's saying the same thing until you will move on what he asked you to do. And the Lord in his mercy sees them all standing there, group of boys, Ah, there he goes. And he sends two angels and uh, sends two angels and it says they appeared in white and this is what they said. What are you doing? Guys, he said, go. Oh, yeah, 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 great, great, great. So off they go and they trek a half a mile into Jerusalem. I don't know what what the mood would have been like. Um, I don't know what they were thinking at that point in time, but it was by faith that they moved because it's scary to leave the place where you last saw Jesus, to go to a place where you expect him to show up. And so there, by faith, they moved and uh, it didn't make sense to go back to Jerusalem at that point because there was a feast going on and they didn't really feel like celebrating. Jesus had gone, but now they were left in the waiting. But they walked by faith and not by sight. See, faith should be a hallmark of the Christian life because we're known as believers, not those who once believed but believers, those who believe as a way of life. And, and we are the people who are to, meant to be continually believing that God's going to show up that He is always going to come through, that the Holy Spirit is always working. He's always on the move. He is always up to something. That is our role, that we would, we would live in expectation of what He is doing. And you can tell whether you are someone who has just once believed, okay, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Great. Or that person who is believing because you are always expecting and on the lookout for the miraculous to happen actively building your life like the miraculous is going to happen. Not just hoping, but making active decisions and living it out where everybody else goes, there's a gap. And you say, no, take it to the bank. God's going to show up there. I believe that the miraculous, I believe the promise that he's given me and faith should be a hallmark of the Christian life. And here they walk in to Jerusalem to wait Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to camp in a place where he told me to leave from. I don't want to camp just because I saw him there once, 
just because there was a sentimental feeling. God will call you out of your places of comfort so he can take you to places of conviction so the Holy Spirit can come and the world can change. This is the life of a Jesus follower. Hebrews 11.1, it says, "Substance, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Um, I was talking the other night to uh, Brian, actually, when we were at the worship night, and he goes, are you preaching? We'd love to hear what's going on. And Joel shared so eloquently what's going on, how God is moving so powerfully. Uh, but I will share another side of some of the things that we've seen. And um, while we're, if you, if, uh, there's so many new faces and I, I don't know a lot of your faces. So really quickly, I am part of a music missionary and we uh, live in the USA for about nine months of the year. And we honestly, we just travel the whole time, youth conference, church services, festivals, and share the word of God through music to young people. That's what we do with our lives. It's not glamorous, but it's worth it. And there's a great cost to it, but it's worth it because God promised that he would be there and show up and he always does. And uh, so over the past couple of years, we've seen uh, so many miracles happen. Like we haven't killed each other. That's, that's a really good one. Um, but God has just shown up so many times. And uh, this one particular time, we were performing some songs as a part of a church service. And I say performing because we weren't leading worship. They had worship. They just wanted us to come on and do like three songs after the worship. Slightly, I don't know. Anyway, we did it. And um, we're waiting out the back and we were talking uh, to one of the pastors out there. And we got chatting and it, it turns out that he had been a missionary in Hungary for many years. And, and so this drew our hearts right in, fresh missionaries to the USA. And, uh, and we were just on the edge of our seats just listening to these stories about how God showed up and what God did. And uh, amongst the story, um, he, he said this thing that God will give you what you need when you need it, not just when you want it. And we're like, Ugh. anyway, um, but he said, because you know what? I was over there for a few years and I didn't need a car at that point. But then God asked me to go uh, further out and, and I needed a car. And so I just believed that God would give me a car. And he told many stories that afternoon and, and we loved listening and chatting with him. And, but afterwards, Luke said to me um, that God had dropped something in his spirit. And when he said that, he said, God's going to give us a car. I said, great, you believe for that. Um, and so... He did. He held on to that. And, um, and we've been, and he, that was about two years ago. So nearly two years have passed. We hadn't been given a car. And, uh, and we're starting to think, well, now that we have, oh, we've got two couples over here and it's kind of hard. We're borrowing people's cars and things like that. And, um, really what we need is for Dan and I to get away from the boys for a while. So, um, we need a car. And so, and the thought started to take over, well, maybe we need to look at buying a car. And uh, every time we had that kind of conversation, it, you know, we chatted about it. And then we always kind of came around, but let's not forget, God could just give us a car. And, um, and so we, we never pursued buying one or anything like that. And we're at a youth conference this one particular weekend. It was a wild weekend. I'm telling you, the travel that we had to do that weekend, I think in five days, all of us got maximum 17 hours of sleep. It was just incredible how much we had to travel that weekend. And we were exhausted. And we just finished another youth conference. And, um, and the church asked us to lead worship the next morning. 
And so we, we, absolutely, that's what we're here for. We want to do it. So we pack up the whole conference on Saturday night. And then we have to set up for church. And um, so we're setting up for church. It's about midnight and we're doing sound checks. So the first morning, early morning service, we can be there and ready to go. And earlier that day, Luke had had a conversation with one of the guys. He's like, hey, what's going on for summer? And he's like, oh, we're really busy doing all these things. And somewhere along the lines, he said, um, and we, uh, we think we need a car and blah, blah, blah. Didn't ask for him car, anything like that. About midnight, um, this guy comes up to Luke and he says, hey, Luke, um, when you were talking today, the Lord told me to give you a car. And uh, Luke goes, what, what do you mean? Um, and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord told me to give you a car. And so they're in business with their parents. So he rang his mom and he said, um, hey, mom, um, the Lord has told me to give these people a car. And so I'm going to give them the runabout car um, I hope that's okay with you. And, and his mother said, uh, no, no, that's not happening. And he goes, oh, yeah, but the Lord, told me, the Lord told me to do it. And she said, yeah, well, if the Lord told you to do it, give him the best. Give him my car. And, um, <laughs> and uh, we, you can only imagine what I was like when I turned up at their house the next day. A mess. And I, I just fell into their arms and I just, I just said, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And, and they were so casual about it. They're just like, don't think us. Everything's the Lord's. And so it was our faith that believed for it, but it was their faith that it came through. And we cannot underestimate the power of our faith the power of faith, believing that God will show up. And so now we are the proud owners of not a runabout car. It's a beautiful eight-seater, four-wheel Honda drive. Like it's, I don't know what cars are. You get the picture. It's awesome. Like it's so good. And God is so good. And if we would just not rush ahead of Him, if we would just do go in Jerusalem and just wait, just wait in your faith, we sometimes underestimate the power of our faith. But time and time again, here, here we see Jesus. Here's just four examples. If, if I gave you heaps more, we'd be here all day and you'd be really cranky about things. And so it says this, Matthew 9, 22. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Luke 17, 19. And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Luke 18, 42. Uh, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Matthew 8, 13. Go, let it be done as you have believed. We think it's all Jesus that has to turn up, but his power has turned up. He's waiting for our faith to pull the promise from the heavenly realm onto earth. His power is activated by our faith. So in faith they waited for the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. No joke, I'd finished this sermon last night and um, I was driving to, um, to dinner and... I felt like the Holy Spirit say, oh, make sure you don't talk about me too much. Make sure you talk about Jesus a lot. I really felt like that. And I thought, oh, that is so the Holy Spirit, his job and his function is that we would point to Jesus. And so here, the Holy Spirit, the power. 
The power which uh, we have received comes because of the finished work of Jesus, but it comes through the Holy Spirit. And as we read on in the story, we see the disciples head back into the city and they meet in the upper room and wait for 10 days. Uh, Here we see it in Acts 2. It says this, When the feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building and then like a, a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through the ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. Now, there were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then and devout pilgrims from all over the world. There was a feast going on, remember, they've come. And when they heard the sound, they came on the run. And then when they heard one after another their own mother tongue being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these Galileans? Which means, aren't these the uneducated how can they speak a few languages? How come we're hearing them talk in various, our various mother tongues? It goes on to say 15 uh, languages that I'm not even going to try and pronounce. And they said they're speaking our languages describing God's mighty works. Now the message does a great version of, of describing that, but in the NIV it says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can you imagine being in that upper room? It wasn't just the 12, there was about 120 men and women. And women. And the Holy Spirit descended. I I wonder what they were doing when they singing songs, trying to comfort. Was Mary on cup of tea, Judy? I don't know what was going on up there, but they waited. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. And then suddenly, suddenly the Holy Spirit came and it changed everything. Why was this such a powerful event? Why, Why do we know that this was the fulfillment of Pentecost? Well, let's take a look at the Old Testament. I need you to stay with me. There's no stories here. It's just Bible. So you have to stay with me, okay? What is Pentecost? Pentecost is part of the three major feasts in the Jewish culture. There were seven feasts, but the three major ones. So Passover had three, Pentecost had one, Tabernacle had three. So three major feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacle. Okay, so... When we look at the account of the Holy Spirit coming, we cannot skip over that it's the fulfillment of prophecy. Because as we look back, we can see a picture of what was coming. It was not yet in full, but it was coming. And as we look and we see Jesus was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Let's have a look at Passover. Passover originally, it was a feast. Passover was a feast to celebrate when the lamb was sacrificed. Its blood was painted on the doors of the Israelites so that the spirit of death would pass over them. Fast forward to the day of the crucifixion, the day of Pentecost, the day of Passover. The pure, perfect lamb of God was sacrificed. And sins were not taken just for one night. Death was not defeated for one night. It was defeated for eternity for those who would put the blood of Jesus over their life. Pentecost, penti, meaning five, costi, meaning to the power of 10. So 50 days after Passover, originally the law was handed down on Mount Sinai. 
Okay, so a feast to celebrate when the law was given on Mount Sinai. It was celebrated 50 days after Passover. Fast forward to the day of the fulfillment of Pentecost. It is 50 days since the Lamb, Jesus Christ, was sacrificed and His blood defeated death. 50 days after that, Pentecost happened in full. The Holy Spirit came down. So law came down and then the Holy Spirit came down. Let's look at them in contrast. Pentecost originally, cloud came down on the mountain of Mount Sinai and there was a loud thunderous sound and people were scared and ran the other way. A fire descended, the law was written on dead stone and 3,000 people died that day. Fast forward to the day of the fulfillment of Pentecost. What happened in the upper room? The Holy Spirit came down. A loud noise in the city that drew people to run to see what the sound was. A fire rested on their head. Law was written on their living heart of flesh. And 3,000 people were saved that day. That is the day of Pentecost. You see, the law came down to show us of our unrighteousness and our powerlessness to actually fulfill it. But the Spirit came down to remind us of our righteousness, right standing with Jesus, and then gave us the power to walk a righteous life before God. That is the day of Pentecost. That is the gift we get in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says all of these functions, all of these functions about the Holy Spirit. He says this, dwell in us. Guide us, teach us, remind us of what Jesus said, comfort us, advocate us. On the flip side, he says he also convicts of sin. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness and coming judgment. So what I see is that if the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, he will always be lighting something up and burning something up. He will be lighting a path. He'll be lighting the word. He'll be lighting the way. He'll be giving comfort. He'll be lighting up your life and he'll be burning something up. He'll be saying, get rid of that. That's a hindrance. Don't go there. This needs to go. Would you walk this way? Lighting up and burning up in our lives. And this is so beautiful about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, burn that up and do it yourself. He doesn't ask us to change. Change is not our role. Surrender is our role. Surrenders our role and you will receive the Holy Spirit as much as you want to surrender to Him. It's simple. People asked, well, how do we get this? He said, just believe and then receive. Surrender to His leading. Just as salvation is received by faith, so the Holy Spirit is received by faith too. Lastly, walking it out. Walking it out. So we've had faith. We've had surrender. And then there's obedience. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the world. Now, I am sure many of us have heard a child ask an adult something like this. Can I go to the bathroom? And all of the grammar Nazis in the room know they've done this. Well, you can, but may you. You can, but may you. And I feel like as I read this verse, uh, sometimes when it comes to matters of thinking about, I wonder if I could do this, Holy Spirit. I wonder, could I 
Can I be a part of the mission of Jesus Christ on the earth? Can I be part of that surrender? Can I be part of the kingdom? Can I give up control? Can I trust Him? And the matter is not of, of permission. It's a matter of will. It says you'll be able to go into all of the nations of the earth. You'll be able. The power is there. You'll be able. Will you? That is the question that's there. Will you do that? Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. You see, salvation is a free gift through Jesus, but this verse tells me that the kingdom is something different. The kingdom comes to those who seek it. A life that leads to true freedom is not just a life that once believed, but a life that walks in believing and seeks out the kingdom of God. That's why we can see people accept Jesus and they never change. They think it failed. They think God is is just a load of fairy tales because they just believed and didn't continue to become a believer and seek out the kingdom of God. We can get this so wrong. We can see all of the things that can distract us, all of the things that the world says are important, and they're great things. They're not evil things, but we're not to seek after those things. The career, the house, the family, holidays, money, friendship, clothes, followers, cars, relationships, all of these things are the things that God said He will add once you seek. And we're to seek first the kingdom of God. You know, when I was in year 12, that's a long time ago. Um, Man, uh, I really wanted glasses. I wanted braces too, because everyone had braces and glasses, and I really actually felt left out. And my sister had braces, she had glasses, all of my friends had these reading glasses, and I would do anything to tell mom, I think I need glasses. I really think I need glasses. And then year 12 came around and honestly, my eyes kind of hurt a little bit when I was looking at the board. And so off to the optometrist we go, off we go. And mom's like, you don't need glasses. But I was such a pest at that age. And so um, off we go. And the optometrist is like, we'll give you like the lowest lowest prescription and just use them for year 12 and then you really won't need them. I'm like, oh, that'd be great. That'd be, yeah, I really need them for year 12. Yeah, that'll really get me through. Like I was really studious. And um, I'm not sure why, but what was in at the time, and might be in now, I don't know. I'm not into the glasses now. Um, was like they had, they had the frame up the top, but it was rimless down the bottom. I was like, yeah, I look super studious in those. So... I got those, but they weren't perfect. They were a little bit long. And so I thought, don't worry, I can fix that. Anyway, so we wait a few weeks and the glasses arrive. Mum brings them home. And I'm so amped about this. I'm like, oh, thanks, Mum. I run downstairs. Not, don't tell my parents. I'm like, they know now. I didn't tell my parents. And I ran downstairs into Dad's shed um, and I got some sandpaper. And I, I, I get the bottom of the, the lens and I'm like rubbing. I'm like, yeah, it's getting better. It's getting heaps better. And then to my astonishment, the lens falls out. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, are you kidding me? And I, I take a look and I think, oh, there was a little invisible string in the lens 
holding it together. Oh, I was in so much trouble. Oh, I was in so... What did you do that for, Jessica? I was like, you don't sound like that, Mum. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what I found out that day is was, it was the unseen holding it together. It's the unseen holding it together. And we do this with life. Jesus gives us this brand new life, a new way of living, a new way of seeing. And we take it and we think, I can fix this. I'll change this to suit the way that I want to look, the way that I want to live. And we don't realise that it is the unseen kingdom of God holding it all together. I believe one of the reasons we're so stressed out, let's be real, we're so stressed out today is because, and everything feels heavy and we're anxious. I think it's, it's because we have this verse around the wrong way. Uh, we seek all of the things. We're, oh, we're balancing this. Oh yeah, we've got this. Oh, we seek all of the things. Look at all the things. Oh God, could you just, the kingdom up there, pop, pop that on. Yes. Got it. And then people say, oh, don't worry. God's in control. And we silently scream, no, he's not. I've been in control for so long. I make the decisions. I do the work. I'm in charge of my decisions. I'm in charge of my future. I'm in charge of my health. I'm in charge of my relationships. God's not going to turn up because I haven't surrendered anything to him. He's just on the top. And we are so stressed out because we know we haven't surrendered what God has asked us to surrender because we know we're doing it our way because we once believed, but we refuse to walk out in obedience and in faith and go, I'll do it your way completely. Here you go, Lord. I'm just going to put all of those things I've built and Holy Spirit, light up the way you want it to go. Burn up the things you want. Because having all, having all isn't bad. It's a seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added. It's not seek first God and then secondly seek these. Seek first and from that seeking will come direction for everything else. Seek first the kingdom of God. It is in the place of faith and surrender faith and surrender. Here it all is, God. Here it all is. I'm going to trust that miraculous things are going to happen. I'm going to trust that you're in control. That is where miracles come in our lives. And we are promised that all of the things, it says what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, where we live, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Surrender. And what will be added is all the things, but also peace, joy, kindness, long-standing. All of the all of the fruits of the Spirit, you see them add to your life. My question today is: have you believed? Or are you believing? Have you had faith? But just staring, waiting for, well, come on, do the work. And refused to do the obedience or maybe refused to do the surrender. Maybe you got to Jerusalem and then you thought, you know what, it's a bit too long to wait. I'm going to do it my way. 
my, my earnest prayer is that you would go all in with Jesus. I have known him never to fail me. I might shop at thrift stores, but I am content. I might eat my meals in houses of strangers, but I am full. And I might rest my head in places I will never go ever again and meet their name at 1am, but I know I am safe. What is the Lord asking you to do? What is he asking you to surrender? Because I guarantee you, it's hard. There's a cost, but it's always worth it. It's always worth it. Can we stand? If the band would come. If you haven't heard about this Jesus, and I want to tell you, and the Holy Spirit wants to tell you, He is everything you've ever dreamed of. He is more than enough for you. Romans 10.10 says this. It's the word of faith that welcomes God to do the work and set things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Say the welcoming word to God. Jesus is my master. Embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You are simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right and then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. If you need Jesus today, that is the instruction that the Word of God gives. Call out, you're my master, and believe that everything is right between him and me. Romans 5.17 says it like this. Grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift. For those of you who have once believed or who are believers in this place today, that is, I implore you, grab with both hands. Don't hold the world with one, hold Jesus with other. Grab with both hands this extravagant life gift that Jesus offers. Amen.